what did Daniel uh, say? Oh, I don't know. I haven't been on all day. Because all I heard was that it was so controversial. So I just shared it. But what are you talking about? <laughs> what, what, what are you talking about? I just uh, Re- saw Dan- repo- reposts are not necessarily yeah. endorsements. <laughs> Daniel uh, had a Hakikachu about the Me Too oh. campaign, whatever. What is, is that? that? I don't know. I've been offline for a while, but it's about sexual harassment related to Harvey Weinstein, whatever. So he said that there was some post that he wrote that was so uh, received with such backlash that I thought it must be good. Who, right? Daniel? Yeah. So he said, as for yesterday's post, my follow-up on yesterday's post, which was received with so much backlash, was so bad, right? So I was like, all right, it must be good if it got so much backlash. So I just retweeted it. What was it? <laughs> it I have no idea. I oh, didn't even read it. <laughs> I just know That's that dangerous. A, a whole bunch of people uh, had backlash against it, right? There was so much backlash against it. And so much people got all riled up. And then he wrote a follow-up to it. So I figured it's got to be something good. Right? Isn't he the uh, Numan Ali Khan outer? No, that's no. not him. Oh. You know, Daniel Hakikachi. The opposite. Daniel. You know Daniel. I probably know him, but I'm a face guy. Okay. So he's basically one of the uh, f- f- reform response response to these liberal reformers. Oh, uh, okay. All right. Yeah. So assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome, welcome to the Safina Society podcast. So we have joining us today, actually, uh, since you guys might have heard a couple of new faces, New new voices. I'm sorry. Uh, you might have heard a couple new voices. We have Imam Fahim Leia, and uh, is that how you pronounce it? It's pronounced Lee. Lee. Oh, Imam Fahim Lee. Yes. And um, Shoaib Newton, uh, joining us from uh, Camden and Philly, respectively. And no relation to Omar Lee. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Different so spelling. So so who's Omar Omar Lee then? Oh, Omar Lee, the author of the uh, the rise, rise and fall, of the selfie devil. That was that was good. I actually read that recently. You read you read it? I read I read the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I, I was I didn't want to, but I went through like ten pages of it, and I was like, all right, I have to finish this now. Now that I've begun this journey. Of it. So Imam Fahim. So firstly, let's get some background. Who, who, let's start with Imam Fahim. Yeah. So what's tell us a little bit about your about your background? Assalamu alaikum. Not much to tell. Uh, uh, convert to Islam, 1991. Uh, so I got 26 years running. Uh, they call me Imam, but you know, when you say Imam, you think of the greats, Imam Abu Hanif and the like, you know, so, uh, I'm more like a, a Khadimun Nas Lillah. SubhanAllah. Yeah, so, uh. That means it's a real Imam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I, I'm in Camden, I serve the community there. Um, you know, I do, uh, you know, I lead the, uh, the, uh, Juma prayers, I work with the youth, marriage counseling, uh, community development and like, man. A lot of people have the wrong idea about imams and even sheikhs. They lead people through life too, not just like some spiritual, um, mysticism. No. Like, or fatawa at the highest level, but you're get, get people through this life. Yeah. And yeah. that's what imama is, real imama and real mashiacha. Is that you help people through life? Yeah. It's not just. Uh, I mean, that's the meaning meaning of the the actual word yeah. linguistically. It's like a paragon, someone to yeah. follow by example. Someone follow by example, and therefore an, a real imam, he is, does get his hands wet and you know roll up his sleeves and do that type of stuff. Right, and then uh, we also have uh, Shoaib. <laughs> Shoaib, you want to give us? Uh, some of you may know Shoaib from watching the Coffee with Bay series <laughs> on, uh, on Facebook. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, my name is uh, Shoaib Newton. I uh, became Muslim in 1980, so a lot longer Allah than uh, Allah. Fahim. 
You can't even. Wait, wait were you even born in 1980? I'm 37 now, so you Subhanallah. <laughs> oh, so you mean at birth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, birth was too much <laughs> I didn't cry. I said, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm an attorney in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I do. I have a, a video series, I would call it, on Facebook, The Bay Chronicles, about my love for uh, coffee. I'm having some uh, delicious bay as we speak. What's what is that? A Turkish for coffee or something? Bay? You bay? never heard of the term bay? No. No bay is oh, like. My, um, what am I missing? Something? You're, yeah, it's you're like, like ten years too old. <laughs> <laughs> what is the same as I am? Oh yeah. You're like dog, a year old. Dog, yeah. Look at this so cup. What is that? Let me get a coaster. Half his deep. You're the one that put it down. No, no, so. it's not the coaster. It's what it says on it. Half his deep. Oh, half his deep. Yeah. I was looking for the coaster. Uh-huh. So, uh, Alex has these beautiful coasters. You're, you're, you're having uh, a wrong gender coffee right there. <laughs> yeah, that coffee is half his dean. Yeah, see? Uh, the the, that coffee, coffee is the bay. Bay is a term of endearment. Oh, okay. Something you call like, like your spouse. or Short for babe. It's like boo. Yeah. Oh, babe, is that what yeah, it is? Yeah. Yeah. And we all know. Look at us. We're all have coffee now. Right? Yeah, so this is like We're my strike smiling. too. I didn't know what uh, uh, Blade Runner was last week, right? No. Which Bla- that was, that Blade Runner somebody, is Oscar Pistorius. That's what Blade Runner somebody is. Somebody mentioned the movie last week, and he was talking about the guy in South Africa that killed his girlfriend. <laughs> 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 the, the only Harrison Ford movie that like I would watch again is The Fugitive. Ah, yeah, yeah. Right? Classic. How, oh, no, Patriot classic. Games is pretty good. See, I didn't see that one. Oh, really? Yeah. Clear and Present Danger? Never saw that one. Watch yeah, I didn't see any of those. Mm. Clear and Present Danger and Patriot Games. And Air Force One. Air Force one. Wait, isn't that Tom Cruise? No, Harrison Ford That's played the president of the United That's, States. You're oh, thinking okay, Top okay. Gun. Yeah. yeah, he was a real, he was a real hero. A real hero. Yeah, both uh, those are good. Okay. Yeah, watch all three of those. And you like those? Yeah. That's you, me. you know what I hate when they take entertainers and they start telling them, telling us their political views or religious views. I hate that. I don't want to know anything about entertainers or athletes, political. Or religious views, because you go there to check out of all that stuff, right? Mm. Although there's tell, some people who like that stuff. And then they, they, they tell us Harrison Ford is like the biggest Zionist supporter. And I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do? But now I can't watch the movies. <laughs> like, I'm turned off. I'm turned off. But I wish, like, I didn't even know that stuff. So are you, you know? against – you don't watch football, do you? I, I watch oh, I, I watch a little bit Are you against football? the players kneeling for the national anthem for their social justice issues? To be honest with you – if what the NFL is, the, the, the guy Roger Goodell is so clueless on the issue. I'll tell you that this thing, David Stern, first of all, you would have fixed that problem real fast. Not with coming down heavy handed. Yeah. By doing something creative, right? By recognizing it early on and realizing, okay, number one, there is an issue if the players are upset. Number two, you can't come down heavy handed and say, don't do it, right? You I just mean, ruin it. I- not to quibble, but yeah. he presided over the NBA when they suspended uh, Mahmoud. Yeah, That's I was true. going to say that. Yeah. But, well, at the for top, less. For less. Now, here's the thing. What you do is you once you realize it's about to be a trend, you get ahead of it by making the players and the league busy by actually doing something productive, like having these town hall meetings that the NFL sponsors, right? You make it – you you give out uh, sort of uh, – you make it exciting. You put a couple on TV. You get ahead of the game, right, and do something productive. And render the protest to be have done its job. Well, now right? they're trying to do that. They had a yeah. meeting. They had a meeting today in New York with the play, player reps from each team and all the owners yeah. about how they're going to get the players to stop kneeling. See, that's what just, they they're still wrong. Then they're, they're still he's still boneheaded yeah. because that's not the way that you go about when people are upset. So they're about doing an they're, issue. They're saying, look, what can we do in terms yeah. of a meeting 
uh, you're, addressing the issue you're, still, you're trying to address. He's still off. He's yeah. still off. He should, he should get uh, just a few players, right? A few players and a few owners who he knows he could work with and then come up with hatch a plan and start doing the plan. Yeah. And then everyone jumps on board. Just yeah. like Kaepernick just did it and everything came. So Godell has shown time and time again he's good at making money. He is the biggest bonehead when it yeah. comes to marketing. You're too and, reactive. Oh, my God. He's clueless. Yeah. For example, Ray Rice thing. And he tried to bury it to keep Ray Rice in the game. And then when it came out, he lied about it. And then when the, the stupid the ball was deflated, right, he chased after it. He's chasing after the most popular player in the league, right? Then gets him suspended like two years later. Gets him angry enough to go win another Super Bowl, right? The guy has just made blunder after blunder after blunder. Well, you know what it is. He came up rich. Who's Goodell. Goodell. Yeah, I could tell. Like super rich. I could tell. He's so, so that's cool. what he acts like. He acts he like somebody so cool. just does whatever he wants. Yeah. yeah. And people are just supposed to fall in line and he takes stuff personal and yeah. he has personal vendettas. And, like and he other lo- people we know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you take a, you, yeah. you take your position of power and you use it for personal vendettas. And he looks like someone who is really clueless mm-hmm. when things don't go normal. When when something new happens out of the box, he can't think out of the box. Also, he's not running those owners. He's oh. not in charge at all. Oh no, he's not. just like a. He's a figurehead. Yeah, he's just there to make. He's make, make it to make seem money like for somebody. Yeah, to, no, it's to make money. He works for them. It's yeah. their league. So I looked up those Harrison Ford movies. Yeah, change the subject. And so I, I why I did be- you look that up? Just right now, I became <laughs> I became Muslim <laughs> like, in 1992. No, 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 and all of those out. are like in that five year period right after I became Muslim. Uh, That's why so I never saw them. Oh, yeah. It's not that I wasn't watching movies, but I was, you know, you're learning. I'd be like Harrison Ford, CIA. I don't want to see this. You're doing what I should be doing. <laughs> so what were you saying? I was I was gonna say we're gonna find out some a couple years later that you got some Google glasses or something where information Alex information <laughs> is coming so as he as th- we speak. I think it was last, last week we went and mentioned some obscure text and Alex is like, yeah, as a layman, it wasn't even that obscure. It was <laughs> it was Sheikh Hal- Albani's uh, grading of, of hadith. Yeah, because a layman would just have that laying on his uh, bookshelf. <laughs> but anyway, so I actually uh, wanted to you know talk about a few things today. Uh, one of the main things that I wanted to talk about, since you know we have our we have the brothers here, is. Um, because I had read, you know, the rise and fall of the Salafi Dawah, one thing is I don't want to talk about the Salafis. You know, I think we've talked about them a lot. Uh, in- inevitably, we're probably going to talk about them a little bit today, too. But I-, I really want to just talk about, you know, the Muslim community in Camden and Philly and, you know, how it's doing and, you know, the, the sort of changes that have occurred over the last, you know, you know, for how long you guys have been around, right? Um, and, and I know there have been, you know, uh, has been an influence of the Sawuf as well. Within the communities in South Jersey, you know, Philadelphia, uh, in that area. And I've, I've seen it myself as well. And, and, you know, I, I kind of just want to hear your guys like journey through other things. I know Imam Fahim, you know, you're over at Kuba Masjid, you know, some of the things that you see over there. Um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of just want to chat about some of those things. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, I had a journey through the Salafi Dawa. Um, yeah. I never fully embraced it, but, you know, at that time when it started taking off mid nineties, I mean, it just seemed appealing, you know, return to the Quran as soon as the scholars and, you know, on, on the surface. And, but as you went deeper, you know, uh, my experience with some of the, the Salafis, uh, you know, starting to see behavior didn't really match up with, you know, how the Prophet Sallallahu taught us how to behave. So some told me it was deeper. It was something deeper than, you know, just this, you know, the, the, the way this doctrine was being, um, you know, propagated. And, um, 
and it just made me, you know, start searching more and more. And then I realized, yeah, this is, this is something else. And, um, you know, and I always, alhamdulillah, I had teachers who would just keep me balanced. Like, listen, you know, stay away from that. You know, these people are, they're nonsensical, you know, their followers, you know, it's a cult, you know, and I, I just took it all in and being in the mix of it, you know, you just saw, you saw how it destroyed a lot of people, you know, because, yeah, um, it didn't, it didn't penetrate your heart. You know, it was all about textual evidence and, you know, who's right, who's wrong. And, you know, it just, I mean, we've seen families, you know, split people apostate, you know, people who grew up even before Islam splitting because of what Sheikh said this and what book to read and don't read and, you know, where you're studying, who you're studying with. And if this one's a deviant and, you know, this kind of stuff. And, uh, it's, it's just been a big, a grand mess. And, um, now we're seeing, as uh, Umar Ali's series says, the rise and the fall of the Salafi Dawah. We're seeing it falling. We're actually seeing it imploding. And uh, you, now you are seeing people scattering, trying to find their way again. And uh, this is one of the things in Camden that we're trying to work on. We're really uh, trying to bring people back who have been displaced, you know, don't know which way to go, not sure about what to study. And uh, being in that rigid kind of environment and restricted from so many things, it's... Um, like now they, you know, they, they approach traditional Islam, you know, with a lot of apprehension. They don't know if this is Sahih, if this is authentic and where's your proof, you know, you know, you show them proof. They don't, you know, they don't know where to find it anyway. They don't know the principles of deriving proofs. That's not even their level, but they ask you, where do you find this at? And you know, that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. So you gotta, I see some of your debates on Facebook. So. Yeah. I, <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of, some of them, because you, you know, being in that movement for a brief period, um, I kind of know the mindset. So some people you have to debate, some people you just have to be gentle with, some people you just have to diss, you know? Right. Some people you got to <laughs> pull by the column like, listen, crushed. man, if I hear you say something else, it's going to be a problem, you know? Right. But for the most part, now that I'm learning that you just have to avoid a lot of people and you have to work on just working with people, building, walking with people and helping them along in their journey, you know? Yeah, and I think one thing I was mentioning to Dr. Shandy, what's really interesting is like, I know on the podcast here, we discuss a lot of issues. Um, hold on one sec. Uh, we just... You, you, we were talking about things that are related to really yeah, so, university people, so, people so involved we, in universities. Like on our podcast, we, we, we end up, and, and not just on our podcast, I feel like, you know, uh, the, the, the people that are, you know, involved in this, a lot of us deal with problems that other people, you know, the, the majority of them is probably not dealing with. And sometimes like, I know Saad yeah. and I, he's not here, uh, but Saad and I discuss these things, you know, which is like, do we sometimes make our problems bigger than they actually are? So, for example, on this podcast, we discuss problems like gender, feminism, liberalism, right? <laughs> you know, all of those things. You know, whereas, you know, when I think of communities like Camden and parts of Philadelphia, like there are not brothers worried about, like, you know, if a transgender person is going to be leading the prayer that day. That's not the yeah. problem mm -hmm. there, right? And sometimes, like, we tend to forget that there are actual real problems, right, on the ground that, you know, we, we, we kind of gloss over because we're so focused on, like, these yeah. issues that we think are bigger. I actually, I actually do think, though, that that stuff is going to trickle down. Because for, for, for a long time, people said, for example, homosexuality is not really an issue, right, in the hood, in the inner city. It is though. It's Ooh. they're coming. Yeah, right? it's big now too. It's big now. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Actually, probably one of the issues what you just mentioned. I mean, our issue wouldn't worry about a transgender leaving us a lot, but it would be about a brother coming in and this is his girlfriend. You know, 
and yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, yeah, you got a half deal with uh, it. Yeah, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's just later. But you guys still have the because same they problems. do see the media does influence, right? Right. So I think there was in, in one, some video or other a couple years ago, and they actually won an award, right? It was like a rap video where it's two gay guys, right? And that one, that actually won one a, a Grammy or something, right? And uh, a lot of people were upset because they thought that they gave him the Grammy just because mm. he represented that, right? So it got in there, and it's and it's and increasingly in these types of videos, you got two guys kissing each yeah. other, right? And they're so they're trying to 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 get this everywhere, including areas where you know you, you the last places you think it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's like um, some of those problems that I mentioned, you know, that have you seen changes that have occurred, you know, within your communities about, you know, not just these things, but, you know, what I mentioned, like the, the influence of the cell wolf, right? And, and along with some of these liberal movements, like what has the change been? Uh, because I feel like some of us are like really isolated from those issues that occur. Like, I don't know, in Philly, it's, um, it's a Salafi city in terms of Islam. Right. Right. Now, before, I don't think it was, it was more nation, the nation of Islam, mm-hmm. and then a lot of them transferred over to the Sunni Islam, but it was from like a Saudi uh, influence. So it was a Salafi. It wasn't like called Salafism. I don't think it was as um, divisive as it is, as it was in like the mid to late 90s and the early 2000s. And it got really crazy. Um, but a lot of the issues that we have in the city as far as the community, I think why these those other issues like gender identity, nobody's thinking about that. Yeah. Because you have those bigger, are rich people's problems. Yeah, yeah. We have bigger issues to deal with. Yeah. Right? You you're trying to eat, trying to make a living, trying to stay yeah. alive. Yeah. Like you are living in po- a city that is impoverished and the majority of the Muslims are impoverished. Mm-hmm. Um you have bigger issues and to worry about that. However, with social media, right, and the fact that you have so much information always at your fingertips, always coming in, you're going to hear about it constantly. And I think the more you hear about these things, the more you think or you believe that they're relevant and real, like they're – they're based on something concrete, right? Yeah. So if you keep hearing gender identity, gender identity, gender identity, after a while I'm like, wow, this is a real thing. Yeah. And then, hey, Shaitan plays in anything. Like, am I am I a man or yeah. is that oh, feeling well. I had a real feeling? Maybe yeah. it is. Maybe that is something I should think about, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I haven't really, I haven't come across that in the city, and I think Tsawuf would be an answer to. Our problems, right? I think I've always said that's the third prong mm-hmm. that we we're, we missed out on oh, yeah. as a community, and I think it was missed out on purpose. And, and I yeah, you the, you're yeah. absolutely right. You know, if anybody that knows the history of how Islam came into uh, you know cities like Newark and Philly and Camden and Patterson, right? Um, Islam first came through regular Dawah, regular mm-hmm. Sunni Muslims. Um, I know some of this from my my wife's family's history, right? There, her parents were converts in the seventies. Her father maybe even late 60s. And uh, her father was a Hanafi, you know, had, walked around with a misbaha all the time. Had uh, He had short white pants, but it's because that's how the Daisies dressed, yeah. right? He went. He used to go on, uh, on Tablig. Like, and all of their friends from back then, they have a madhab. 
they have a tariq. They're normal, regular, everyday Muslims. And it wasn't until the Saudis came in, like you mentioned, you know, late 70s, early 80s, maybe even late 80s started ramping it up. And they specifically targeted inner cities because they yeah. thought that that, was a, that that was an open market. Yeah. So they came hard with the pamphlets and with the dawah. And, and with the free tickets, free schooling. Oh, yeah. yeah that, Let's yeah. just send people to University of Medina for free, cover everything, as long as you're not married and, and you're under down. a certain age. And take away the requirements. Right. Like, you don't have to memorize Quran. Just no, come. they taught you Arabic there. Yeah, you don't have to know anything. Everything there. Yeah, no just prereqs. Come. In fact, if you had prereqs, if you had like a teacher, they didn't want you. Mm. That means they had to undo what you were taught. <laughs> and right. I know people that went to Medina, you know, often they would send you back with like, we're going to fund you. We're going to pay you a salary. We're going to give you money uh, for programs as long as you're spraying the dawah. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the nation, right? They They didn't have... Their Islam was jacked up, their Iman was jacked up, but they had a, a, some Assistant. sort of sawaf, right? They were about reforming people. Right. They had really good people, but they just didn't have the correct aqidah. Yeah. They didn't understand fiqh, but they were reforming hearts. Yeah. The That's Salafis, true. their thing is aqidah, Islam, I won't call it fiqh, like aqidah, f- f- uh, Islam, no to sawaf. Like I grew up believing Sufi to sawaf was haram. Yeah. Like that's that's what we that's what they pump to people. Sufis haram, Sufis haram, Sufis haram. Yeah. To the point that I was in college and it was uh I forget what class it was, but it was a uh, you talked about religion a lot. Yeah. So there was a, a couple, a Muslim brother and sister from I believe um Baal Mahayadeen. Okay. They are they we were taught that they were like the, the Sufi Examples, yeah. haram bidda mashed in the city. Yeah. Right, so to me, that's what they were when they came, and I was so disrespectful to these people in in this class. Like I'm questioning everything they said, like, the, and I'm telling everybody they left. They're not Muslim. Those aren't Muslims, right? <laughs> and think of that that brainwashing when it really wasn't even a concerted effort. My parents never taught me that. That was just being in the Muslim community in Philly. Th- three things you knew: Tasawwuf was haram, uh, celebrating the Prophet's birthday haram. Uh, that's not from the Dean. Um, I get the third one, but those main two things above the throne. I never learned that actually. <laughs> I never learned that. Okay. Yeah, interesting. I right. never. Me neither. When I was in East Orange, that Akita oh. stuff about all that is new. Back in the day, we didn't. Let me tell you something from my uh, brief exp- encounter and experience with those guys in '95 and '96. Um, there weren't a lot of English-speaking imams in the area, and Dawood Adib uh, was one of the first, and he was all the way up in East Orange. Now, having known nothing, a lot of brothers were going up there, and I got caught up, not caught up, but linked into that group through some of my friends' older brothers, and I would go up, and I, I'm, the vibe that I always got was it was very positive in the beginning. Like, it was, people were in good moods, there wasn't this bad mood thing, and fitting and arguing. People were, I think that's because they were still ignorant and not as connected. Mm. The more connected they got, and specifically the more they got into medkali stuff, that, that guy is the one who ruined it all. Once they got into that, then it became all acidic, all negative, all fighting, right? And then you just stayed away from it after that. I, I almost right? became Salafi. Yeah. Like, I almost became Salafi. So, do you have to do a, a certain, uh, Process. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. I was at the masjid. No, growing up in Philly, when I was when I was young, there weren't a lot of Muslims. Like in schools, there wasn't a lot of Muslims. Yeah. So I was the only Muslim in school. Sometimes maybe me and somebody else. So when people started to become Muslim, mm-hmm. I didn't. Right I didn't know point, what they were right? calling. I was just excited to have other Muslims. You're Muslim. Yeah. Ah, alhamdulillah. I was just excited. Yeah. I would see people I grew up with that weren't Muslim. Mm-hmm. Now they're Muslims. 
I know they're a Salafi. I know what Salafism was. I just knew it, you're Muslim. I'm Muslim. Mm-hmm. I'm about to go to Germantown. I started going yeah. to Germantown Mashup. One day, this brother offered me his daughter in marriage that I just met. Oh, that was weird to me. You know? <laughs> and you're like, what? Okay. That's strange. So I was like, I'm, I'm good. I'll stop. I'm not going no, here the, 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 That group is extreme. The Germantown folks. I don't. I wouldn't even. I would say go as far as to say that they're not even a fair representation of what a regular Salafi would be. Like a mainstream Salafi, they are so extreme. You won't even know if uh, unless that. Besides the Arabic words and the thobes and the and the niqabs, you wouldn't even know what religion so, they're talking. So, <laughs> so I'm just gonna back up here because yeah. we have a lot of uh, listeners that are not in America, yeah. right? So they might be wondering what is Germantown? Mm. It's like uh, who are the Madkhalis? <laughs> oh, that's not an American thing. <laughs> By the way, I think in England, Brixton is the place where, is it? yeah, the their headquarters, the the, the Newark. Of England, I think. Are they Brixton. as hardcore though? I think they're more hardcore. Oh yeah, I think in UK. Birmingham, no, they're like the da- Bur- Birmingham is, is like the Daisy Deal Bundy Barilvi stuff. But right? Brixton yeah. is where you got the converts and the Saudi money's coming in, right? And uh, it's it's really it's similar to Newark from what I experienced. Yeah, same thing. Black neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. I think. See, the Salafis in Philly, they're not like uh, hardcore Dawa people walking around giving Dawa. That's not them. They're, they, they're putting people out of Islam yeah, whenever possible. You're more, not a Muslim. Exactly. But they're more like, we're doing our thing, like whatever that is in terms of like committing acts of haram, right? However, um, we dress this way, we wear beards, we use these words. We, This is our gang affiliation. If you're not a part of this, mm. then you're not Muslim. So that's as much as a sociological thing as a religious thing. Yeah. No. I would say it's more of a gang than a religion. And you might actually... It's like a cult. You might even argue yeah. that it has a sociological function, though. Right? To some degree, it. it does, right? It's safety, yeah. protection. I mean, it's the yeah. same, same thing, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I heard Sheikh Noor told one of his Marines, a uh, lady that one I know, he said, uh, he said, you know, some people are made for that. Wow. That helps some people. That, you know, some people are still going to follow. Even now with the implosion, uh, some people are still... You know, they're still adamant about that, you know, men hedge and who's on and who's off it. So, you know, yeah. make do off them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean the, the, some of the, the common guys that lived through that and they stayed with it. There used to be a man in ISCJ. I don't know if you remember him. You must remember him. He was, uh, not too tall, but very broad, always had a hinder beard and a short thobe. And his job was that he was to come and he would basically do maintenance in the masjid. And he was into that. He would go to all the conferences, right? That's all the dean that he was upon, right? He raised a Muslim family with four boys, right? Imagine that. And they're all like upright, regular Muslims. And now they're actually like, they're normal Muslims. They're not like their dad. They pray. They have trimmed beards. They go to college. Some of them are extremely successful, right? Because he's kept them on the straight and narrow, right? So... Like you're, you're right. For some people, it worked. I think it, it's, it, it could fly so long as you don't get so deep into these extremes, right? Uh, and you start, once you start arguing and insisting on these things that are offensive to Allah Himself, as it would done, right? Like He's this, He's that, body, throne, all these things. And, and by the way, above the throne, uh, is as much interpretation as translation, right? And there's no athar from the salaf or from the sahaba that interpreted it in that literal way. So as long as you're not doing that, and maybe he just 
That's what he was given up by a default. Because he he died such a good death in the middle of Ramadan, right? MashaAllah. He has a lot of ayahs around, signs around him that it's like very no one disliked him. So there are a lot of positives. Uh, but again, though, that's just some of the silver lining on a lot of the negative. Yeah. Right? And one of the other situations I came upon was uh, a situation where it was a regular store I think I was at, and the Muslim there, he was so nasty with the with the clerk. The clerk was so nasty back, and the Muslim left. They didn't know that I was also Muslim. Maybe they thought I was something else, but I overheard them talking this, how much they hate the Muslims there. Wow. Right? Because of how rough and gruff and, and just mean-spirited they were. So there's a, it's sort of a mixed bag in that way. You know, yeah. so. I mean, uh, and t- to your point, this is not like Qadianis or some other like weird sect we're talking about. This, they're yeah. still Muslims. It's just you know, they're missing they're missing an important piece. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And and the funny thing is that if you're going to trace back, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're going to trace back the idea of Salafiyah, you're going to trace it back to the Hanabila, right? The Hanbalis. And the irony is that he is Imam Ahmad is past the first three generations. Like way past them, he's the last of the of the mujtahid imams, right? Yeah, I mean that's that's their claim, but in reality, they don't go back more than like two hundred. Yeah, they don't change. even go back to Imam Ahmed ibn Hamad, right? Because if they went back to Imam Ahmed ibn Hamad, they wouldn't be having I mean, they, they their prayer would look different, yeah. right? And secondly, you know, if you really wanted to go way back, you would go back to Abu Hanifa, the first mujtahid imam, right? The the of the of the chains of transmission that still exist that we can verify. The only one, the earliest one is Abu Hanifa, right? So early was he that he had a conception of what the Sunnah is that was almost independent from Hadith because he judged the Sunnah by the people that he saw there. So that's why Imam Abu Hanifa doesn't accept many Hadiths. They say he doesn't know Hadith. No, both Abu Hanifa and Malik didn't accept so many Hadiths because they had a vision of the Sunnah that was so, that was independent of Hadith. It was the living scholars right in front of them. Right? right, it wasn't just Malik Imam yeah. Malik who had the amal right of Medina and those scholars, and that was the Sunnah. Any hadith that contradicted that, he set it aside. Abu Hanifa had something similar, and it's only from Imam Shafi onwards that the Sunnah, its only definition was the text is hadith. Yeah. yeah, right. So that's how close to the Salaf that they were, right? That they didn't even accept some hadiths if it contradicted the, what they saw in front of them. Right. Yeah, but you know the thing is like um, we mentioned like the term Salafis like, and I think we mentioned this before like they're not a monolith they're not just like oh this is one group yeah. of like people that all believe the same things right like there's very educated Salafis as well right there's very yeah. like and, and and you can have scholarly debates with them and you can have uh, so I mean and without naming names right there's lots of people that you know that we look up to and respect you know as scholars who identify as Salafi mm-hmm. right but at the end of the day, you know, it's not a monolith, right? Like there's there's lots yeah. of different things. And, and does that type of like difference occur exist down where you guys are at too? Yeah, it actually does. And you do have to classify them as such. Um, there's actually a book that's out that's uh, <laughs> called um, it's called The Counterfeit Selfies. I don't know if I should. Oh, really? Who wrote yeah, that? Uh, I forget the name of the author, but he classifies them as, you know, the academic selfies, the one who follows uh you know, Sheikh Ben Baz and Alabani, what they mean, then the ones who follows the, uh, uh, I think his name was Abdul Rahman, Abdul Khalik, one of the, one of those, uh, one of those scholars, you know, they have the, re- you know, they, they classify well. But down where we are in Camden, um, we have the Salafis who are from the Medkhali branch. Yeah. 
That's Can you a define disaster. That? Like, what is yeah. what is this? Oh, the Metchalis. The Metchalis branch. Highly decisive. Yeah, uh, no, we'll they, they oh, kindly <laughs> they follow uh, a sheikh in Saudi named Sheikh Rabi al Metchali, and he's real, real hardcore, like really rigid, you know, and they follow him tooth and nail. Like, he's almost. SubhanAllah is almost like Matsum with these guys. Yeah. Is he is he still alive? Yeah, he's still alive, okay. but he's up in age. And, um, you know, they take it, their orders, like whatever he tells them, that's what they follow. So and Highly just, divisive, man. Yeah, so is, is he himself, like, guided? Or, like, I, mean, I don't know. He, I don't know he basically about. took from Albani, too. Okay, okay. Right. It's yeah. Alban, Al- Imam Albani, right? Rahimahullah to all, all these, the deceased of them, is that uh, of the people that we're talking about. He's the one who said, it's not sufficient to say you're a Sunni Muslim, right? Because Sunni Muslims, some of them are this and that, right? So you have to say that you are, um, what was it, Sunni upon the way of the Salaf, right? And then you have to actually start listing what you mean by that. <laughs> so it's got narrower and narrower and narrower. And they called this the bayan, the clarification of what you really are, right? And Madkhali then took it and made a movement out of it. And what you, of course, witnessed, probably. And I don't know if you witnessed some of it, and you probably witnessed it. So I have a question but when yeah. you finish. So the uh, Madkhali's movement was that you got to make bans, and that if someone refuses to state that they are X, Y, and Z, right, that this, this, and this, and this, then they're heretics. Because you should clearly state it. That's really? kind of like the. I, know, I wasn't. I was like, going to say another group. Yeah. <laughs> they invented like, a new word. It's actually off it. Off, it. off it. Oh yeah. yeah. Say it. So they. they so you're on the manager. Off it. Ah. <laughs> so, so they basically made lists of the points that you must make, and they really took some like very off things and made them as if they're daruri in the deen. Because we do believe, if there's a daruri thing in the religion. That you have to state it. You cannot hesitate. You can't say it's nuanced. You can't say we have to take this offline, right? Example: If I ask you right now a simple question like, "Is it obligatory to believe Muhammad Rasulullah?" You can't say, "Well, let's discuss it later." You, it's a daruri issue, right? <laughs> if you don't say, say yes, that's a kufr, right? So we do accept that for daruriyat, but not for these fara'i things. So, for example, if do you believe said Kutub is a deviant, you have to say yes. Do you believe so and so is a deviant, you have to say yes. And if you don't uh, answer properly all the yeses and say no's. Say Qutb for sure. Say Qutb 100%. <laughs> and, then, and then if you don't answer yes to these, you'd have to divorce your wife or your husband. Wow. And, yeah, and your wife. Right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. Become highly suspect. You yeah. become highly yeah. suspect. Yeah. So yeah. the question I had for uh, Imam Fahim is, do you know if because of his position vis-a-vis uh, like government officials, right? Like you have to follow the, uh, the Wali Alam, right? So you can't fight the state. Do you know if he if that movement gets a lot of funding because of that? Are they big in in Saudi? Is the king throwing all kinds of dough at him? Hakimiya stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah the Hakimiya stuff is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big political ploy. Um, probably. Um, I'm not really sure because it's been a while since I kind of uh, engaged. Yeah, engaged him. <laughs> uh, I kind of mostly ignore him now. But <laughs> I mean, that movement. You, we, we, we do talk about it from time to time. That there's some agent provocateurs, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, infiltrating the Muslims. So they probably, because, you know, you come across these guys, they don't work, they don't do anything. Like, where are they, where are they getting their money? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, something's going on. You Did know? you experience those days of people giving the bayan and, and, and separating and splitting up Masajid? And yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. actually, that's how I left it because, um, I mean, I didn't come, I didn't come into Islam through that. So I had a different training. So it was an, uh, an incident. 
where uh, one individual, he was uh, he was questionable. And so it was like, okay, what do you say about him? Um, I don't know who he is. Well, if you don't say he's a deviant like the Sheikh said, then, you know, we're going to warn against you. Who am I? I'm, in, <laughs> you know, I'm already down and dirty. Like, what do you mean? So, and, okay, so you had to, you know, like you were saying, you had to make this bayan. You had to say certain words. And, okay, yeah, I think the Sheikh is off it. And, uh, you know, I mean, me, I was like, man, listen. What he eats doesn't make me fat, you know, yeah. so I don't have to take that position. That's, you know, that doesn't have any uh, bearing on my agenda. Or That's jihana. true. Yeah. yeah, so right. what are you talking about? Yeah. Okay, now the same brother, you know, we prayed together for years. Now I come to the masjid, we make the taslim, I go to talk to him, he's gone. They won't talk to you. You don't want to talk to me. So now they spread it around, you know. Uh, he's, he, didn't, he didn't take this position on such and such. Yeah. I mean, mm. people that we slept in the same house, we traveled, we did business mm. together, so all of a wow. sudden don't salam me. And they're not even theological points. They're points about people. About people, <laughs> personalities. Yeah, like if you don't say that so-and-so is a deviant, you're out. Yeah. So like, how is that part of Aqidah? It's right? like, no, it's like taking, if you don't say that non-Muslims are non-Muslim, yeah. that is kuf, right? Yeah. So they're taking it to the individual point. Right. Position. <laughs> yeah. 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 Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Yeah, and um, you know, there's a recurrent theme with them, like, you know, they think uh like once you 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 get thrown off the minhaj, like you're just supposed to go into hiding, you know, underground and I just never did that, you know. Yeah. But Alhamdulillah Allah opened doors for me to, you know, seek out well, revisit what I already learned and then just send the people my way to teach Mashallah. me more. And, um, you know, a lot of people were so hurt. By yeah. That. And, uh, it was, I mean, it has all these cult characteristics where, uh, when I was reading up on it, you know, um, you know, you have to avoid from becoming angry because I felt betrayed. You know, I felt, um, you know, you know, why are these people doing this to me? Like it wasn't genuine, you know, unless I catered to these certain principles and, you know, I just kind of just walked away from it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, and alhamdulillah, I was fortunate enough to be strong enough to do it, but so many people are displaced. In Camden, we have so many Muslims walking around, and they don't have enough gall to just stand on their own. So they'll go to the Salafi masjid and just won't say anything, and then they'll come to our masjid and question everything we do. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you didn't see anybody make four rock cops for my grade. What do you, like, we're not doing anything different. Yeah. So you have to deprogram people and, and it's just a big mess. And that missing element of Tassawa, like you were mentioning, uh, now you have to give it to people without saying that, you know, calling it Tassawa. And I, I don't have a single problem with that. I yeah. actually think that most of these names uh, box a very big thing into yeah. a small thing. Like yeah. what you said about Salafis are so different. And the caricature sticks out, right? For yeah. us. Yeah. The absolutely. caricature sticks out. Likewise, for them, though, the goof is what sticks out for them. So they'll bring you the furthest thing that we would consider. Do you guys know the term? Do you guys know the term goofia? So a lot a lot of people in their head it's sort of imprinted within them, in their memory, in their emotions, this type of thing, that goof stuff. That's imprinted in them, either from a bad experience or from a childhood memory or something, and they can't get away from it. YouTube videos. Or YouTube videos. Uh, or actual realities of people storming communities with goofism, yeah. right? And it's imprinted within them, uh, and they can't get away from it. So that's why these names ultimately don't do us a, a, a service, because your worst examples will get lumped into your with your best. I think in right? in like Philly and Camden, it's more of a purposeful. People they tell you like this is haram, 
Yeah. Sufis. So people may have not ever heard of Sufis, seen any videos, have any idea what a goofy Sufi is or Gufia is. Yeah. They're just going off what they've been taught. Yeah. Like that's one of the first tenets. Sufism is yeah. incorrect. And if you ask somebody, like I've asked people, like what what do you believe Sufism is? Yeah. They don't know. Like, what is a mallet? They don't know. Yeah. Like, a- any question about something they they know is like, that's, that's Harami can't do that. If you ask them what it is, they will have no idea what it is. Right. They've just been taught and that's then, Haram. And then there's the other side of it, which is the ones that are educated and do know. And they don't, they don't, they don't make any mistakes. They don't think that it's people that are dancing around in the dark, right? Mixing, mixing genders and stuff. They'll like, <laughs> they'll looking, they're looking for like, I remember when Shane used to come to the United States in the night. People were like, Salafis were going around looking for him to try to kill him. Yeah, I remember. Right? And, I remember the bounty on his head. Yeah, and they they didn't think that he was doing anything crazy. It wasn't Gufia stuff. Yeah. Like, this is the most sober. It was just <laughs> just the name. It's just, no, well, it's because he was making cogent arguments. And, right? And, so. yeah. and the thing is, like, when, when you use names, what you end up with is zero sum games, right? It's mm-hmm. like a zero sum. It's a, this whole package or nothing. And that's the problem with names, yeah. right? One of the things Imam Malik said, someone asked him uh, the hadith of the people of Allah and the people, uh, uh, the, the, the awliya of Allah and the ahlul haq, the people of the truth, right? And these people that the Prophet wasallam spoke about. And someone said, well, who are they? Imam Malik said, if you can go, uh, go about your knowledge and nobody calls you a jabriya, from the Jabriya, no one calls you a Rafidi, no one calls you this or that or that, then you're you're one of them. Mm. So it's like the truth is the negation of extremes, right? It's the negation of all these incorrect things. Well, once you say, okay, this is this name and this is this name, all of a sudden you have to reject the good and the bad of everything. And then you end up in loss, right? But to counter that, right? What do you do, you know, when you lose definitions of things completely? Because the <clears throat> words have meanings too, right? It's the same problem that you have with gender, yeah. right? Uh, mm. Like, <laughs> that's the gender bell. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's the same problem you have with gender, right? Ge- the the words like masculine, feminine don't mean anything. It's the same thing with like perennialist people who believe in religion, like the word. Allah doesn't mean anything. You could believe in Krishna, but it's like, oh, I believe in God, yeah. right? Right. I still believe in the same God. Everything yeah. is relative. So then where do you draw the line even with things like Tasawwuf and Salafism or Shia? Like, no. do, don't, do you, don't you need labels at some point? I think that if there is a crisp idea, right, of a well-defined idea, then you could attach a name to it so that we could discuss the idea. But the problem is that I might be using that name and you're using it, not we and we haven't defined it the same way. Right. So I would say any type of any knowledge that is about the heart and its purification, right? That's what I it's tasawwuf based upon Quran and Hadith and the experience of the ulama, right? When we say the experience of the automat, because that tells you that that's where the idea of the path comes in, where they tell you, okay, well, look, this is good for the nafs, this is bad for the nafs, mm-hmm. etc. Right? So, uh, yeah, and I mean you know. labels, like you said, it's it's a good shorthand. Sometimes it helps you if everybody's on the same page and we're discussing something. It's really easy yeah, to say exactly when we're, we're already we're, set to yeah, we're talking we're talking about 
like 12 ish years. Yeah. We don't have to go pull out a book and give a, like a whole table of contents of what that means and address every point of their beliefs. We know what we're talking about when we say 12 ish years, right? Yeah. So we can keep it going. Now, if we're talking to somebody that has no idea, it would require maybe some more explanation. Maybe don't even bring in that term. Yeah, know your audience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I think like when it comes to the, the use of language and, and, and these things, like when you're dealing with, you know, communities like Camden, you know, not only are you dealing with problems with language and what it means, you're also dealing with people who are in, in situate, like socioeconomic situations, which are not, you know, uh, easy to talk to they're not easy people to talk with they're not like academic scholars where you could break down like oh this is what you know these things mean textually and you know a lot of those people are you know they're 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 already hungry they and, have, and furthermore about the sociological point you can't try to break people those people who are in islam and it's fu- fu- uh benefiting their social social life right it's giving structure to their social life to try to break to change his belief, you're also implying that he has to break away from that thing, which is really beneficial to him, that social group. Mm-hmm. And that's why he'll never break away and he doesn't want to hear it. doesn't matter how many proofs you give him because this social grouping is keeping him and his family together and giving them a place to go. And if you mean the meaning, given the meaning and purpose, purpose, if you took him away from that, where does, what does he have now? Mm-hmm. Right. By the way, debates never change people. Yeah. Like, I've never seen it happen where people with opposite positions come into a room, there's other people around, mm-hmm. they argue their, their relative positions, and then somebody in that audience goes, I was completely wrong. It's actually that guy. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well, like, I've never seen true. that. I've seen, I've seen it. We were talking about something here on Facebook, right? We used to have, like, a crew of us. It wasn't anything planned, but it, it turned out that way. We would be the ones debating the Salafis. It would be us, the Salafis on one side, and then a crowd of people this is all on virtual and on social media, yeah. listening to the debates. And like one day we said, like, this is pointless. Like these guys are hard headed no matter what you give them. Cause yeah. the people that were arguing, it wasn't like we had people who knew what they were talking about. Yeah. Like they studied, they had knowledge, they had credentials. They're arguing people who don't know anything. Yeah. So we knew we, co- we were coming from a position of, uh, of knowledge. They were position from ignorance. Mm-hmm. However, we knew they weren't going to be convinced. And if they were convinced, they would never say it. Yeah. But it did affect people watching. Yeah. Right. And so we told one of the brothers, like, keep doing it Mm -hmm. because we're not trying to convince the person you're debating with. Of course. We're just trying to put the issues on the table. It's a display. Yeah. And they can see it for themselves. Putting it on display. We, we saw people who were like hardcore selfies Mm -hmm. either come back and they're not self anymore or they'd inbox somebody and ask them questions. Mm -hmm. So I think, uh, you never, you're not, you're right. You're not going to convince the person you're debating because they're coming there to win. Yeah. Right? right. And it's hard for somebody to come to something win and say, I lost. Nobody's going to do that. They're going to say, I won. Yeah. Yeah. But the people watching, they don't have, unless they're rooting for somebody, they don't really have a, a dog in the fight. So they're, they're trying to, they're interested in the topic. So once they hear the proofs and that they're a person of intelligence mm-hmm. or an honesty, even if they don't tell you, they'll go yeah. home on their own and say, wow, that was, no, yeah, that's a good point. That's absolutely. a good point. And and I know like the the same thing you mentioned like about uh like having meaning, right? And purpose, right? And and if you take that away from people it hurts them. They don't want to hear that. Yeah. And I know people have actually messaged into our like uh email for the podcast and they're like, you know, what I thought was Salafism was actually at the Salaf. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the way you guys have broken it down is like you don't hate on Salafis completely, right? You recognize the good and the bad and the good and the bad of the Sufis. And they're like just hearing your episodes on Goofy Sufis, they're like, 
that's exactly what I thought. I guess I'm a Sufi too. You know, so, so, so I mean, you're right. It's about purpose. Like you, when you start talking to people in a way that takes away their purpose and their meaning, that that's when you lose yeah, the battle. Lose. Right? And you realize like, uh, that this thing is, is, is serving a, a bigger function for their life. Yeah. Right. And the doctrine oftentimes, the Sheikh could come in and switch the doctrine around. You know, to a degree, obviously people are, they know what religion they're in, but to a degree, he can make some switches. Everyone, if everyone's going to switch, fine. That, that is a detail. That's not why he's here, right? Mm -hmm. He's here because he believes in the basics and then it's also giving him some structure, right? And that's why I actually don't, I actually believe that uh, for large communities, you don't need detailed stuff. You need the basics. That's it, right? A basic sound aqidah. Only a few people need to study all the masa'id, all yeah. the issues. And keep it simple. And the one community that I did see was in Hartford, where the um, uh, uh, Warth Dean community. So I had never been to one of their masajid. I was actually ignorant about their everything about what they believe and everything. So when I had gotten there, there was sort of like a traditional wave within it, where they would send their youth to Syria. Mm -hmm. So when I went in there, I saw normal people, right? Normal people. And they were criticized by the wider community for icing out everyone besides African-Americans, right? And they were sort of begrudgingly accepting some people in their iftar, but they wouldn't really talk to like brown people, for example. <laughs> but I was like, wait, wait a second. Th these people, they have a way of doing things, right? They're not, it's not, it's not just based about African-American and Pakistani and Arab. Because these three are not just skin colors. It's a total different package. Yeah. You're not saying an American, uh, African American, uh, Pakistani American, and Arab American that all grew up in the same town. That's not what they're discriminating. That would be only one factor is skin color, right? But no, when you have African American and then Pakistani from Pakistan who came to America, skin color is not the only factor here. Yeah. Or the, or the main one. Yeah. yeah. And it's not even the main one. So I could guarantee you if someone had adopted a white, brown, yellow, or otherwise child in that community and he grew up, he would be discriminated mm -hmm. because it's the same culture. Well, so, I, I'll, I'll tell you. So, sorry. I'm, I'm, yeah. I apologize. No, go ahead. Finish, finish. So what I, basically just what I wanted to – what I observed from them is their Islam was very simple. The, the most knowledgeable of them was not knowledgeable at all. Mm. He just knew Fardain. That's if he knew that, mm. right? He couldn't give a lesson, but he knew how to pray. He knew how to lead the Jummah, and he knew what was halal and haram. And that community was doing great. They had, their families were upright. Yeah. So the religion element was not that much. It was basics, but come together, eat together, and they focused a lot on, on work. Mm. They focused a lot on material improvement, right? And, some, and, and I'm like, subhanAllah, that's a recipe that worked. And, and I actually believe they're limiting and they're sort of closing off their message community to just the people that share their background i actually yeah. felt that that has nothing wrong with that right there's nothing wrong with that and i didn't feel it was race at all i felt that it was back it was all the package of the background mm. yeah. Yeah. so what I, what I was going to say is that uh when i first became muslim i was in east orange mm. and i was there for a number of years um when i used to be home for aid like at my mother's house um in patterson i used to go for aid at the uh Worf Dean masjid mm. in patterson yeah. And everybody was really cool to me every single time, right? Also, when I was working in Newark, um, the closest Jummah to me was Warf Dean Jummah. And uh, after like just a month of going there, they asked me to 
they, they made me their muad. Yeah, subhanallah. Right, so they're not discriminating yeah. against people because they don't look like them at all. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a cultural thing. Like, once they got to know me and they saw that, you know, yeah. I was a normal human being yeah. who, you know, grew up in a similar circumstance, et cetera, they were cool. Yeah. And, and by the way, these communities, too, have another function. And is that to ensure, or not to ensure, but to sort of give the option or create a situation where their offsprings could marry one another? Because mm-hmm. how, how are you going to know people? Right, you want them to know each other from the families that they inter visit, they visit all the time, and they pray in the same mosque every week. Right, so if now you're going to change up the culture, you're disrupting stuff. You're disrupting a regular guy's expectations. So a, a guy might not dislike another family, right? But that culture is different, and he doesn't want to intermarry with that culture. Mm. There's just too many differences, right? So it's cultural stuff, and I totally appreciate that if there's a culture, right. Why bother them and disrupt them? Leave them as they are. Be friends with them and don't disrupt their masjid and community. Let them be as it is, right? Yeah. And then, by the way, it's only going to be one generation. So their kids and then the Tur- there's another Turkish community that was also closed off. Their kids and their kids, they're going to meet and be friends mm-hmm. online and in college and in MSA and all these things. And then all these things, it's different in the next generation. A lot of the War of Dean communities, they try to protect themselves from outside cultures coming in mm-hmm. and leading their trying to lead their community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're like, look, we're we're gonna have the Imam, we're gonna run yeah. this masjid and we're not gonna think about it. Any African American community mm-hmm. has that concern yeah. based on the history of this country. Uh-huh. Right? right? Of outsiders coming in, infiltrating and destroying. Mm-hmm. So yeah, think about it. I mean, oh, think about plus it. also the behavior of like foreign Muslims who come in and start telling you that yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Exactly, yeah, know it all. Exactly, basically. they come in as know it alls, and they do one salah, hijack one salah with a long, t- perfect tajweed and everything, and then all of a sudden you've undermined that imam's authority. And that won't happen at a. There's no way, no matter what you look like, if you're an, you look like you're an Arab, whatever the. Uh, uh, stereotypical Muslim looks like mm-hmm. you can't go into war with Dean Masjid and then they're gonna push you to the front. Yeah, no, it's not gonna happen. But in a Salafi Masjid, oh yeah, yeah. you walk in. I, I remember. I don't know if this is true or not, but I heard that at a Salafi Masjid in Philadelphia. I'm not gonna say the names because I don't know if the story is true. Yeah, a brother came in, um, and he was, I think he was Arab. He had a big beard, um, and he went to. They told him to go lead. Yeah. He didn't know anything. He couldn't <laughs> recite the Fatiha. But they made him. They, he, they didn't know who he was. Yeah. He was a total stranger. <laughs> walked to the masjid. I think he might have been drunk. And they just oh told gosh. him to lead the prayer. And he couldn't. So they're like, oh, my God. Is this guy drunk? In the middle of prayer. The guy, I mean, he doesn't stop himself. He must have been drunk. But that that would never happen at a War of Team masjid. No matter how you looked. Even if, they, even if you came in and said, I'm this such and such person. You're not leading the prayer. Yeah. Alhamdulillah, you're welcome <laughs> to come that, here. Isn't that how all masjids should be? Yeah, and they, and they <laughs> yeah. Should. you can't just yeah. like walk in and lead they the prayer be. because masjid are not just neutral spaces. They're especially in the West. This is the community zone, right? This is the community center. This is the quote unquote third space, like work, home, and then the masjid. But you'd be surprised. You can't disrupt it. African American masjids, people come in and try to do that. A lot of masjids. They'll just walk in over. and just they just, to, just They'll just, yeah. Because they'll say, you don't know anything. Look yeah. at me. I'm leading this prayer. And people will allow them in some places. At 4th Ave in East Orange, one of the mes- one of the two masjids there, they actually have a sign that says this masjid has a muadhin and it has an imam. 
Oh, don't call you then. Don't try to lead the prayer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's how. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like there's there's some closed off Daisy communities <clears throat> like that too. Like yeah. if you go to uh, uh, what is it, Hackensack? Um, there's a masjid there, right on the yeah. on the door. They have you know no no Jamaah. Yeah. yeah, no Jamaah is held there. No gathering, no meeting, yeah. no prayer, nothing, nothing. You yeah. don't do anything. I, when I was young in England, I had a teacher. <laughs> I had a teacher for the Muatta, and. Uh, we went to the Cricklewood Mosque. Cricklewood is an amazing. You've been there? No, no, no but I know about it. Yeah, it's, it's basically Cricklewood Mosque. Is that it's, New Jersey? It's, no, it, London. 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 It's, it was a long cul-de-sac. And at the end of the cul-de-sac is the masjid. And all the houses, maybe 20 homes on both sides, they're all Muslims. So uh, we, I, we were in the masjid. And we said, let's have the class right before Maghrib. So we went, had the class. The imam came and he said, what are you doing? So we're just having the class. And he said, shut the books. Right. And I was like, how could he do this? This is the house of Allah, right? <laughs> now, <laughs> now uh, 10 years later, or tw- 15 years later, now I understand. Yeah. There has to be order in the masjid. There cannot be multiple authorities in the masjid, mm-hmm. right? And you just, chaos happens. Even if one authority is normal guy, but that's who the community accepts, right? Leave them alone, right? So yeah. so now I'm gonna I'm gonna take it into a slight tangent, mm. uh, but but same sim- similar topic. But I want to go back to something we were talking about, Alex. Remember you him, he, he for him. You had something that you wanted to add to that. No, I, I saw mean, you grab the mic. No, I was oh, okay. getting ready, Casey. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they stay ready. Uh, and by the way, before we close that subject, Imam Malik has a narration from Qadi Ayad narrated in Tartib al Madarik uh, that he's a man came up to him for a debate. And then he said, uh, would you debate me on a certain issue? And then he said, what if uh, I win the debate? He said, I'll follow you. And what if I lose the debate? He said, you follow me. And they said, what if a third person comes and debates the both of us? The man said, we'll both follow him. Right? He said, Imam Malik said, go, I'm certain upon what I'm upon. Religion is not by debate. Whoever makes his religion by debate will change their religion often. And that is no religion at all. If you keep making changes in your religion, that's no religion at all. Absolutely. Right? And then the man said, well, how do we convince the people? He says, say the truth. Give the narration that you know. Right? And stay silent. If they accept, they accept. They don't, they don't. Mm. Right? So that was Imam Malik's uh, way for himself. But as you said, debate actually sharpens the debater and it sharpens and it convinces the people around them. Yeah, and, and and one thing that I, I kind of wanted to go back on similar topic is when we talked about the idea of uh, taking people's purpose away, right? I think, uh, and this might be a real like shot in the dark here, but I think you know the type of mo- the the Salafi movement that happened in the inner cities is very similar psychologically to the movement that we see with the liberals now, right? Um, because you have this sort of gang mentality forming amongst people. And, and and sometimes I think when people hear our arguments, when I say our, like when people hear like traditional arguments of the Dean, they think that we're taking their purpose away, right? That, that we're, we're actually attacking like something fundamentally that they believe in. Like even no matter how some, how wrong someone is, right? Let's say you have like some crazy liberal transgender who just wants to join the Boy Scouts all yeah. of a sudden, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. no matter what, right, that person still has some sort of purpose, some sort of belief why they believe in that thing, right? Yeah. 
And it's very similar to the Salafi movement. You might have a person who's genuinely sincere about That's a what very he good believes point. about his Salafi Islam. It's a very good when point. You, when you like trash this person, yeah. right? They're, they 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 totally just you know uh, push you away. It's a very good point, and I'll tell you what I believe about uh, the LGBT movement. For I believe it's a reflection of the crisis of fatherhood, and for a lot of uh, gays, right? And this is basically from what from their testimony, right? From what I hear from them, uh, or from their speech, their writings, etc. Is that it's a community of feelings, of emotions that they never had. Before it has anything to do with sexuality. And of course, that's, is, that's just one narrative, right? But I did have come across that idea. And that idea that it's filling an emotional hole and an emotional gap before it has anything to do with sex, right? Yeah. And the sex is just a part of it. Yeah, and it's not just LGBT. Yeah. I mean like liberals, period, right? Uh, yeah. There yeah. might well, be. Yeah. Do you have wudu, by the way? Talking about these people, <laughs> you got to make wudu for Asia. <laughs> Talking about <laughs> these people, if you keep saying it enough, you have to yeah, rinse I, out your mouth. I mean, like wudu. in general, you know, people who are liberals, like even yeah. Muslim liberals, right? Yeah. Um, people who get uh, offended about everything. That yeah, like yeah. you know, these people who believe that you know we don't need to follow like. Uh, rules that we don't need you know just believe in god say allah is one just be nice just be nice yeah. right this is it at the end of the day they still have some sort of uh belief belief and you're you're taking that away right yeah. and and i think the the same sort of emotional jerk reaction that like you know it, it that humans have in the hood right people have you know even in other communities right yeah. so just because those and and i and i like to hear you know how you know, Imam Fahim, you guys have dealt with, you know, conveying dawah to, you know, people who have, uh, who are on the other side of the fence, right? Whether, and, and you guys, you know, did it with Salafis and, and, and traditional Islam, but I think it, it draws parallels to, to the, to the, the rest of the problems that we're dealing with in the world too, right? It's an emotional thing. And yeah, right. And that's where you take people at. You just, you just deal with them where they are, you know, have no pretensions, no judgment, you know, Bring them in the masjid, speak to them, hug them, ask them how's their family, and you know, find out if they need a job or what. What can you do for them? And that's just the best hour, you know. Find out what can you do for them and make them feel comfortable being around you. And sometimes it, it takes a little more time and effort with some, uh, but just being nice to just doing the sunnah, just being nice to people, being nice to mm. people, taking them where they are, holding their hand, listening to their concerns, you know, because a lot of people in the hood they're just. You know, uh, poverty is driving a lot of it, you know, uh, you know, broken homes, drugs, uh, all these things. And, um, you know, people don't know any kind of escape. So you just try to make the masjid an escape from that life, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, talk people heart to heart, a little dean, you know, and with selfies, if you could just give them a text to corroborate what you're saying, you know, you're good. You know, that's all they need. Well, and if you could tell them, if you could tell them where to find a hadith at, well, they probably will know. Well, you just tell them that you can find it here. They're, they're comfortable with it. They're not going to look, but just you, cause you, you gave a tech, you know? So, I mean, just, just being nice to people, man. That's and I think if, if, if you're a community, for example, you set up a, a social, uh, network that's meaningful to people and makes them happy, that takes, that's 75% of everything. Because, uh, I was talking one time to Sheikh Yahya. And he told me about a certain ethnic groups out there that they might be your friends for a while, 
as soon as they find a group of people that are like their own ethnicity and their own background, right? They'll just drop you in a heartbeat. So it's not just about what you're teaching. It's about the ethnic group that they're looking for, hmm. right? You know, so they'll, they'll just drop you like a heartbeat. And I had a friend. That happened to me a couple times, actually. I had some companions that we got really close. And then as soon as we, we weren't from the same background, as soon as another group came around that he could hang out with that were closer to his background or his family's background, right? How he has his, their, both of their fathers and mothers were exactly the same. All of a sudden you get dropped like a hot potato, right? And that happened to me one time in New York. It happened to me a couple, uh, uh, other times. One time in New York, there was a brother who at the Park 51 Masjid, it was hardly any activity. Somehow this guy was in the area and he had sort of just gotten out of uh, some trouble and he was turning back to the dean and and we were hanging out. We had actually did Atikaf together. It was literally just me and him and like one other guy. And we had become very close. And then this, all of a sudden I stopped seeing him. He saw another group of people. And then next thing you know, I said something to him and he didn't even look up and he said, evidence? <laughs> I said, excuse me? <laughs> I, know, I told him a, uh, a ruling, right? And his response was that one word. I was like, wait a second. You never used to talk like that before, right? And all of a sudden, I knew which way he went. But it was 75% really. I'm telling bulk of it was just uh, social grouping, mm-hmm. you know, social grouping. I mean, and that's human nature, right? I yeah, mean, you, you that's spend human enough, nature. You spend enough time with, you know. And I don't have any, even have a problem with that, but I think people should, 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 uh, part of their Islam should be, have to do with manners. Like, even if, let's say some guy came and he was hanging out with some other masjid and they said, Hey, you guys are American. I'm, I'm going to this immigrant masjid. I'm tired of it. I would actually make it a point to, to tell them, listen, don't make sure you don't hurt the feelings of the people that have been your, your community yeah. for so long because, you know, it's just not a good thing, you know? Yeah, and, and, and it's true, but um, uh, what was I going to say? I agree, Sheikh. That's why I, I was only hung, especially when I first converted, yeah. only Hispanic Muslim. <laughs> 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 it was like none. <laughs> I mean, it was years till I met another one. No, imagine, for example, if, and you're not even like heavily like, uh, uh, I don't even, you're not like heavily ethnic the way you grew up, right? I, at least you are I don't now, even, right? I, I, like you're intermarried with a different ethnicity. Yeah, but I, I never, I still to this day don't speak English to my mother. I just speak Spanish. Yeah. Now imagine if, let's say me and Moina are hanging out here and all of a sudden, a uh, masjid of Argentinian converts, right, from North Jersey pops up out of nowhere. And are then they all like, of a sudden, wait, are they like Americans or immigrants? They're, no, Amer- uh, Americans like you, born mm-hmm. here, and they're all. <laughs> These intellectuals, right? I'm and out. all of a I'm sudden, out. he's I'm gone, out, right? Right? <laughs> right? He's gone. So how does that going to make so a bunch of No, no. I'm out on the intellectuals. I'm good. <laughs> I'm staying on the ground. Right? He disappears on us, right? So there's got to be a akhlaq and a manners by which these things are done. And that's something that's very important to in- include in our religious teaching. Because unlike any other Muslim country, we are so diverse. Mm-hmm. And this is bound to happen. And we shouldn't stop people. But we have to have some manners in so, how we do it. One of the so, reasons I brought up, I'm sorry, one of the reasons I brought up that, that joke, I mean, that joke is that it was a real blessing for me, actually, because I grew up, or I grew up in the deen, not seeing anything other than we're Muslim. Just deen. Like, because yeah. that's all I had to turn. Like, there wasn't like, 
I didn't have a whole country behind me, a whole mm-hmm. ethnic group, a whole tradition. Like I could be like, yeah, back in the days in Spain, right? Yeah. But whatever. <laughs> so I had to, I had to be like, well, what matters is that I'm Muslim, and I think that that was a real benefit to me. Yeah. I think that I, I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm grateful to Allah that there weren't any other Muslims that had my same background because it made me drop all of that. Yeah. And, uh, that was a big benefit to me. So, so, you know, one thing that, that we kind of brought up here in the, in the last 10 minutes is, is like the idea of like the group mentality, right? Uh, you have a specific group of people thinking the same thing, similar background, (laughs) ethnic background, and, and also mental background, you know, some sort Mm -hmm. of like, uh, what do you say? Um, Emotional background, right? Yeah. Now, that type of like group mentality is what, you know, has happened in the inner cities. But I would also say, hasn't that group mentality happened in, you know, in, in all of the Ummah now? Everywhere. Yeah. Right? Like you have, Everywhere. like people are going to call us, you know, we're like a silo. Oh, you were just like the. Like you need to you, explain that word to me. Silo? Yeah. So you're, you're just like, uh, silo. It's like, uh, um, just a, a group, you know, uh, that's sort of on its own, right? You, okay. So you say so you have like different silos set up. I think it's a military term, right? You have a, 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 an army, a group of, of soldiers like here. Like a company, like, like a group. Yeah. Like a group in one location, a group in another okay. location, a group yes. in another location, like a silo, right? right? Um, now, um, people are going to say that, okay, you know, the Safina Society podcast, you guys, you guys are sort of like your own little silo. Okay. You, you hate the goofies, you hate the Salafis, you hate, you know, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> right and 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 you think that you're correct yeah right now there's gonna be i don't i don't want to say think i would be more like no <laughs> <laughs> as imam chef he said right what's is not worth having a position if you have doubt upon it right? that, that's true right yeah. so like uh you know you guys will assert that you're correct well i also yeah. assert that i'm correct right like another person will say i also assert that i'm correct you know the 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 salafis will also assert that they're correct so then I remember you talked about epistemology like in, in our earlier episodes. So then where does a person like truly understand themselves between all of these different groups, different ideas, different silos? You know, there's just, uh, it, it, where, where do you find yourself? Well, just, just to jump in before the, the, the actual knowledgeable people start, right? No. So I don't have to follow them. Before Alex the, says the only thing, the only, the only thing I, I can, I can say to that is that yeah, the group that you're talking about that uh, Dr. Shadi and I think our guests and myself would say we adhere to is and myself traditional <laughs> Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'at, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking about the biggest umbrella there is in the Ummah staying within the bounds of of tradi- of Islam, right? Of non-deviant Islam. So we're talking about any of the madhabs that you follow and or if you're a mujtahid and you don't follow one. We're talking about <laughs> we're talking about people who accept hadith Except the Quran, you know, like the basic everyday Muslim that doesn't have some deviancy in them. Yeah. So, and by the way, that includes like the farmers and the taxi drivers and, you know, the people working a fruit stand in Egypt. It's like mm-hmm. the majority of the Ummah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a silo, but it's a silo that's about a billion deep. Yeah. And, and also, too, more. <laughs> when you mentioned the farmer and the fruit stand, the common man, uh, issues are only issues when you make them issues. Yeah. Right, so we, we don't go asking. It's the sunnah is you don't go ask people about uh, aqidah issues and testing them and playing a game. Uh, you don't ask if it if it's not brought up, you're not guilty of anything. It's people who are purposely bringing up yeah. things that conflict with uh, fundamental principles. 
of the deen that every single Muslim would agree or, or, uh, upon, that's something worth making an issue out of because mm-hmm. the absolute, the basic framework, the absolutes are now under attack. The Ruriyat are under attack. And if anyone doesn't realize that, then they're in some other world. I but, spent my first two years at Ahle Sunnah in East Orange mm-hmm. and as a Muslim, and I didn't know, I couldn't tell you anything about what a Salafi is or isn't. It was not. It was not yeah. an issue. I was just a Muslim. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think that's the case for yeah. a lot of us, most of us, right? Until you get introduced to these things. And then, yeah. So and then our like, silo is a big one. Man. My my yeah. belief, though, is my belief is that, like a vaccine, you should introduce people to what's out there that could that they could trip over. Say no. Right? How could you know that there is a hole over here in the street? There's a dog loose over there, right? There's a you know an infected puddle over here. That should be the first thing you tell people about, right? right? Instead of telling people, okay, the yellow brick road is over here, and you never told them that there's a lion in front of it, right? No, you tell them that there are pitfalls here, 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 and here, here. Because what does the Shahada say? There is no God except Allah. So we need to negate all the false gods first, and then what's left is the right path. So that's the... Now, the other point I wanted to make is that there's a big difference between theological positions and life. And by life, I mean mm-hmm. the friends that you keep, how you live, the stuff that's all halal, right, in between. And you may have preferences, and it's permissible for you to stick with those preferences, right? So I might not want to hang out with another great Muslim who I think is an excellent Muslim, but he's come from a culture that I, it's just distasteful to me. I'm not saying it's haram. I'm not saying he's not my brother, right? But... He may have a culture that's distasteful. What is wrong with that? That's not wrong. Now, what is the akhlaq regarding that? Is number one, he has all the rights of my Muslim brother. Number two, right? I don't offend him. He doesn't offend me. Doesn't mean we got to be best friends just because we have the same positions on things, right? That's true. And the opposite can be the case. I might be comfortable uh, with a certain culture where in that culture, most of the people aren't, aren't uh, upon what I believe, right? But it's just what I'm used to. Right. Right? It's what I'm used to. So we have to differentiate between beliefs and life, you know, and we should every once in a while, which is just for the sake of bringing the ummah together on certain occasions, every once in a while, it be interacting with those groups, not, not close the door on them. Yeah, that's amazing. You said that um, you just have to break out of your mold sometimes, you know, and, uh, you know, do those universal, universal things in Islam. Smiling mm-hmm. and food always works. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. Um, they had me come speak at a Bengali masjid. I, you know, so I try hard. to learn some Bengali language on YouTube. I didn't have no time. So, <laughs> and, um, you know, those was my brothers. I mean, I felt real comfortable. I mean, but it wasn't my culture. Yeah. So, I mean, I love those brothers when I see them hug, but, uh, when they serve cow tongues, I was like, excuse uh, me. <laughs> you know, I'm looking for something close to collard greens and, you know, oh my whatever, but. I just didn't eat it. You know, I respectfully said, no, I'm not good. But Did you I take tr- the pond? Yeah, I tried one, and I was like, wow, this is good. So they told me what, what it was. Oh. Then my mind just changed. But it was actually kind of good. But just in my mind, I was like, ah, you yeah. know. But that didn't take away from the brotherhood that we shared. So a lot of us just have to do that more, you know. Like, mm-hmm. for instance, if I see Dr. Shadi anywhere, you know, he's going to get a big hug, you know. I don't care. Ah, Dr. Shadi, it's my leg. What's going on? <laughs> you know, and uh, people are like, who's, you know, who's this guy? Well, they already know who he is. I mean, then they're going to find out who I am. You know? But we do that at wherever we are, you know, and that's, we just break down those barriers because a lot of people don't really have that fortitude to do that, you know, and we just got to change it. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's, it's just with regards to, uh, 
food or like distaste with like a, a culture. Sometimes, you know, uh, a lot of us have personalities based on our cultures, right? And, and, and some of those story stereotypes of t- are true, right? Like I come from Gujarat in India, right? People listening that, you know, we're known for being cheap, right? Yeah. We're known for, you know, I wasn't <laughs> was going to say it, but <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but, but there, but there are certain stereotypes that I see amongst my people too. And I can understand like, you know, some people might not like that and I can, go on for a while and what the defenses on what yeah. we have but it's like there's no reason why you can't have a distaste of you know a certain culture but agree with them theologically that's that's true. A, I, i've never yeah. thought about that's a very beautiful point yeah. actually uh, but hedge that's important is, hedge is one of the times where sort of you can imagine that is where uh our lord is forcing us you know you're forced to come together and i think there have to be in intentional Moments we have to be smart about it, and and re- while recognizing that there are subcultures within uh, the Muslim community, that there are sometimes where we, uh, on purpose, do this right. Right. That that the distance to is one thing to respect the differences, right, and say okay, that's you guys, and this is us, and we all we believe the same things, but we have different ways of doing things. That can be dangerous down the line. Mm-hmm. Now it shouldn't be forced or canceled. These cultures shouldn't be canceled. This unity shouldn't be forced, but at some point there needs to be coming together right of different respectful. groups right. respectful coming together right. and knowing that we're coming together on this we're not going to bother each other about x y and z we're not going to think it's you know more than you know just that and and that, that's actually the beauty of islam mm-hmm. right that's the only reason why it's able to be a world religion right and, yeah. and and cater to different cultures and values and understandings right um you know americans for example if you say you show up at nine o'clock you got to be here at nine o'clock Right, and we've talked about this in another podcast. You you talk to an Indian or an Egyptian. Nine o'clock means a suggestion. That's a suggestion. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that uh, I want to hear your opinion, uh, Elias. What do you think? I I would say maybe one hundred years. A lot of the cultural things that remained will sort of disappear. What do you think? I mean, it depends on what uh, what happens with our immigration policy. Yeah, because if people still keep coming in from Muslim countries. Then there's always going to be that that thing where communities group together, and even people from several generations down will still be only marrying people from their community, only in their yeah. masjid. Um, but yeah, I think if if I mean for me, it took one generation. My parents came here mm-hmm. in like 1970, and uh, I'm already done with all whatever they brought. Right. Yeah. So, and part of the process was me becoming Muslim, yeah. but also. I mean, even when I was a kid, I don't mess with people based on where you're from. I just like you whether I like you or not. It's personality yeah. for me, right? It's individual. So, uh, I mean, the only thing, even among the Muslims, the only thing I can't get with is those little black, black things in the biryani. It's horrible. <laughs> oh, those. Oh, uh, the, how, well, how about the green things? Those are like peppers? bombs. The yeah. green is fine, man, but yeah. those little Cardin black bombs. things, you bite into, you bite into one yeah. of those in things. In the biryani? Like, like what's the point? But you're not eating it properly. Whatever. Dude. <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Pick it out? Bro. Yes. I never, I, oh, I yeah, ate rice yeah, all my yeah. life. Every type of rice I've eaten, Chinese rice, Asian rice, uh, Hispanic, every kind of rice I ever ate, you don't have to pick through it to find the, like, booby traps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> booby traps. <laughs> yeah. I remember so one of the white kids having dinner at my house, and it was a holiday, so my mom cooked a lot, uh, and, and all, like ethnic food or all that stuff. And my friend was like, yo, there are leaves in my rice, bro. <laughs> you know how they put the bay leaves? Right? Yeah, man. My mom took those out. You, you cook with it, but yeah. then you take it out before you serve it. <laughs> you eat those? Uh, no, they're no. in the rice. Oh, right. Yeah, you yeah. take them out. You got to pull them out like yeah, the little dots. Yeah, yeah. But so anyways, to your, to your point, Dasha, I, I mean, I don't know. It depends on how people how people live, right? Like if they, if they get their head together, this should be fine. But we'll see. 
Um, so can I actually talk about another topic? Yeah, sure. So it's, it's, it's completely separate from all of this. And, 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 uh, I'm sorry. I just thought of something that's related to Dr. Shetty's. So I apologize. Yeah. Finish your own. Um, Catholics, Mm. even though they're kind of homogenous, Catholics intermarry all the time. And they, 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 and especially if there's not a lot of them in a certain, in a certain region, like Irish, Italian, Hispanic, they'll marry, they'll intermarry based on their Catholicism, even if they're not really religious. Oh, okay. Like that, so they'll they take that, that identity over. Like you know how many people I know that are half Irish, half Italian, yeah, or half Italian, and half, so it's the half, half Puerto Rican or something. Together. Yeah, it's the Catholicism. And do but and because uh, that doesn't happen with Protestants. They don't marry like a Lutheran. They don't. Pro- yeah. Protestants also divide on ethnic lines. Do they? Like for example, there's Korean churches. For example, right? Oh yeah. There yeah. be. But that's like a cultural thing. Yeah. yeah. But there, aren't there Catholic Korean churches as well? Doesn't this I don't think the Catholics divide on those lines though. Huh? I don't think so. I've never I mean, seen unless it. you have a mass in Spanish. That's the only time it'll happen. Yeah. Right. But otherwise, yeah, just everybody goes to the same church. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but we I have mean, but a- we're talking East Coast. Aloha and what happens anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I have a, a, an unrelated topic. Okay. Let's hear uh, it. It's almost like another podcast, but, I'm, but since we have <laughs> some time, let's I, I, I kind of want to bring it up. So recently I've been thinking about, uh, and I wrote a piece on it, like the idea of time. Oh, I need to read that article that you <laughs> There's a piece I wrote on the idea of time because I've been listening to uh, Dan Carlin's Hardcore History Podcast. Very mm. good podcast. Highly recommend it if you're – Which one have you been listening to? I've been listening to uh, the – I think it's Battle for Armageddon, but it's not bad. It's not called Battle for Armageddon. It's called the, the – You're talking about the Protestant Reformation one? No, no, no. It's World War One. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, in, in the second episode, he, Dan Carlin. Dan yeah, Carlin. It's history. It's history. It's, history. Yeah. it's pure history. C A R L I N. But he has a really, really phenomenal way of breaking it down. Um, and at one point, uh, in, in the second episode, he, he's breaking down World War One and, and he's talking about the Hague Conference that occurs, uh, before really the, the breakout of World War One. It's the first, like, real arms control agreement, armistice conference that occurs. Uh, and, and it's, and it's at a point in history where he talks about technology just, you know, skyrocketing, you know, 400 years before that, right? Like, so a hundred years before that, when, when, you know, at the time of Napoleon, wars looked very different, right? Okay. Uh, 200 years before that, you know, some guy could, you know, create like a tool or a weapon and it would be good for a hundred years. <clears throat> That's true. Yeah. Right. And it was right before World War One at the Hague conference where people realized that, Hey, you know, I'm going to build this battleship and in 10 years, it's out of date. Yeah. And now you see that time itself has kind of sped up, right? Yes. And, and, and you look at it now like you build an app or a tool. It's done like next week. Next week, it's over. Yeah, two years. Yeah. Like this podcast is going to be old in like, you know, yeah. two weeks. Right? <laughs> Nobody wants to listen to it anymore. Yeah. And so I, I wrote this idea of like time shifting. Speeding time. up. Yeah, almost speeding up. Yeah. And so like the, the question I pose is like, has time sped up or have we? Like, you know, we talk about like the end and, – and people say this all the time. Oh, dude, we have no barakah in time. You know, the end of times are coming. Like this is yeah. signs of qayama. Yeah. And so like I, I kind of just wanted to bring that up, you know, the idea of time like changing and shifting. And since we have our guests here, like we might as well. Like, yeah, it's a good time. Right? You know, it's a hadith, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. That's what I'm saying. You know, the, yeah. the hadith about time and, 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 it, and changing and things like that. So it's just something I, I observed and, you know, how are Muslims supposed to view mm-hmm. like time itself? Because we don't 
most of us living in America, especially the corporate America, we think nine to five, Monday through Friday, Saturday and Sunday, you bankroll the weekends, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that's just life for us. But mm-hmm. for Muslims, you know, our, our time is structured around, you know, the prayers, things like that. So that's just some, a piece of advice I wanted to ask. Like, how do, how should a Muslim understand time? How, how, how should we deal with our day? Oh, you want to start a shoe? Sure. They call him Shu. I was like, a Muslim should never be called Shu. Guys, <laughs> call him Kuf. <laughs> <laughs> All, right. All right, that's a that's a tough one. Um, but I have thought about this yeah. because it's interesting how knowing the hadith about how time will speed up and years will feel like months and months feel like weeks and weeks feel like days, and how I think just as I don't know if it's an American thing. You know, we look forward to the weekend. Like, and one day I thought about it. I said, wow, we have five days where we kind of just throw in the trash. Yeah. We're like, I want to get through Monday through Friday and get to the end of Friday so I can enjoy the weekend. So it's, a part of that is we don't value the time we have. Another part of it is we do so much uh, frivolous things throughout our day, right? Waste so much That's of the time true. that the time flies. We don't take advantage of it. And so much nonsense is coming our way. Again, I think we just get too much junk information. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And it kind of, the time just goes. Yep. And we're not even paying attention to it. Like, just think about how fast our days go each day. Like, it's the same 24 hours. And I've always thought, is it because we're just older and now we're doing more with our time? Think about when we were younger. It's, things just seem slower. Oh, yeah. When we were younger, yeah. like you would think about it. I used to think, man, in 2010, I'll be 30. That's so long. That's so far away. Right. And now I'm 37 and I'm like, wow, I can remember when I was 30. I can remember when I was 20. And every one time my barber told me, he said, your twenties are going to go by so fast. He was in his like late thirties. He said, your twenties are going to go by so fast. And I said, get out of here. I'm 20 years old. 10 years is a long time. 10 years is so quick. And yeah. now like, Think about today. What did you have for breakfast? Right, your day just went like that, and tomorrow will be another day. It's it's hard to understand what the hadith means in terms of like why the time was. Is it because, um, literally just because at the end of time time speeds up, or is it because of how we're living in these times with all these distractions? You know, back then, yeah, it was less distractions. You didn't have TVs. You didn't have radios. You all you could do was either lay down, do nothing, work, or do beneficial. Th- and work took longer, right? Yeah. You had to have a skill, mm. and it just took a longer time to do things. <laughs> so this you, is a little note for millennials. You actually used to have a skill yeah, back need, in the day to survive. You need to take time to do things, so yeah. you cherish that time because time was money yeah i i I remember like uh a few years ago i went to india um and and my family's from like a village like village village right um to this day like there i think everybody has electricity now but uh i remember when i went like tv internet uh, all of these things is like absolute like there's there's none of that yeah. So I remember sitting there and uh, my cousin and, and I were talking, I think my brother-in-law was there and, and we're just talking for hours. And then I'm like, you know, what time is it? They're like, Oh, it's been like a half hour. I'm like a half hour. Because it's like, uh, and I remember 
it felt to to this day i feel like the longest time that i ever spent in my life doing one thing (laughs) doing one thing was that conversation i was like it still to this day feels like i spent weeks talking to them yet i was there only for like a few hours and we're talking uh like we're talking all night right but it's like there is no distraction no person popping in no notification your phone doesn't work nothing works but it's like there's no escape either. It's not like you're in the woods and like, oh, you could just go back home and, you know, in a few hours you'll be okay. Like there's nowhere else to go, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just being surrounded in that environment. So it's like <clears> the <throat> question you asked, right? Is it, is it the times that we live in? Like is time itself now just faster? Mm. And, and like like the Hadith says? Or, like you're saying or, like in a type of – Like metaphysical uh, type metaphysical, of way. Yeah. yeah, in the type of metaphysical way. Is time itself faster or are we just faster? Are we spinning Ooh, faster? Habits. I mean, you know, time is not – sorry. Time is not even – it's not real. Like our measurement of time – that does it, time is a flat disk basically, right? Like it happened already. Mm. So uh, all, all that we're doing is experiencing it, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, the way that we experience it and the rate at which we can experience it I'm sure can change physiologically and also because of a metaphysical spiritual thing, right? Like the, the, the reality of our existence is, you know how when you tape a game and you don't want to know the score, right? Yeah. And then you, you don't, you tell everybody, don't tell me the score. You go home, you start watching the game and you know, there's like a, there's like a, a play where you're going to get a, you're hoping that you get a good call and you're like really excited and waiting for the call. That already happened though. Yeah. You want, you're watching a but tape. Your emotions are still happening. But right for now. you, it's like it's right yeah. now. This is how we experience our reality, right? Like it's just happening for us, right? It's not though. It's already done, right? So and we should. Quran talks about. Don't get too book. excited about it. Yeah. That, yeah. That this whole existence is like a book that gets right. closed. Exactly. And if you imagine that the book is written, but we have to, we have no other choice but to walk through every single letter of every single right. page of every single chapter. So, because for, for Allah, there's no like before yeah. and after. Yeah. That's Total. such a good point. Wow, I never thought yeah. of that way. So, yeah, so that's how we're experiencing, <laughs> right? So maybe we're, we're, we, maybe we're moving up to like 1.25, 1.5 speed on the, D, oh, on yeah. the DVR. Maybe. That means we're at like the five. movies. That's usually when the movie's no good anymore. Speed this thing up, man. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're getting towards the end. <laughs> Too many liberals in this scene. So that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that would be my take on that. Whether it's truly speeding up or. All right. Not Fahim's philosophy on the issue. Uh, I think we need to, uh, as far as time, um, we need to appreciate the barakai of moments and not just time as hours and minutes and seconds. Sure, yeah. And uh, I think probably one of the best ways is to get with elders. When you talk to older people, like uh, the, the experience you mentioned in India, where time is not, it doesn't even matter. The moment matters. So yeah. you're not even concerned about the hour, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, now there are even studies where people are saying, like, you know, you got to take time out from all of this stuff. You know, social media, take a break from it, go outside, experience nature, because it's all a distraction, you know. And you're losing the baraka of worrying about hours and minutes and seconds and days and weeks and all that. But take the time for the moments, you know. SubhanAllah. Take the time for the and, moments. And, and, and one thing, like, on top of that is, you know, uh, I, I was I was, uh, I was going to the masjid on I think it was Thursday last week or something for like Dohar at two, right? Dohar was over, but I was going around like two o'clock on a Thursday and I was, I was driving down that road and I was like, you know, I've never driven down this. I haven't driven down this road last like seven years because I'm always at work Thursday on at two o'clock on a random Thursday, right? And, and it's something that I, that, that hit me that 
Allah has mandated, well, it's, 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 it's almost a fard for men to pray, you know, at the masjid five times a day. Mm-hmm. And yet we don't, right? Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that we don't is almost a sign that, you know, the, our lifestyle, our lives are almost unnatural, yeah. right? The way we experience <clears throat> them and live them today. And it's, it, it's almost like a, a modern notion, the way we think about yeah. time. And it's just something that, that occurred to me and thought it'd be interesting to bring up. You know, a couple, uh, things that you brought up is that, uh, just about the masjid. Our day, at least for myself, it's literally sort of charted out by the hour, sometimes by like the 30 minutes, because there are deadlines that I have no control over, right? For example, deadlines on when school pickup is and when bedtime is, and you have to fit in like 10 things in the middle, like dinner, like homework, like homework for the other person, like testing and studying, and literally the idea of taking just the keys, driving the set, nine to ten minutes to the masjid, which is that's how far it is from my house. Praying, f- f- couple of rakahs, right? If I go right on time, pray just the fard, walk out the door and come back. That con- that that thirty minutes, it's just totally out of the question, mm-hmm. like absolutely out of the question. And sometimes, right? Because of how many things you have to fit from four p.m. to eight p.m. And this right? is you as an imam, like yeah, imagine right? like, you know other people, <laughs> yeah. So. But I, you I, have kids. Yeah, it's just having having kids. Is it because and we have time structure and like? Is it because we chart our time by hours, minutes, and it's seconds? Just, uh, here's my uh, philosophy. Right? Think uh. about it. Because back in the time of the Prophet Sahabas, right uh, yes, yes. they didn't use clocks. No. Here's my philosophy. I have, and these are just some thoughts that someone could expand upon. Uh, there are two things that happened that really messed everything up, and especially messed them up for America. And these things are, there's a good part and a bad part. The first part is the population of the world just blew up. Global population. Number two, this, the global population has allowed for the speed of innovations, right? The idea of bringing a new technology and then trickling it down, that has sped up so fast, right? Combined with the population, right? that how many people are now inventing stuff or changing things or bringing something new. Those two things have really changed everything to the point that you could have uh, life-changing inventions happening multiple times in one generation. Mm. Um, YouTube changed people's lives, right? Mm. It allowed a goof in, or, or forget goofs. So I mean, a, like a regular goofball from Kansas who does nothing all day to become world famous by doing stupid stuff. Because YouTube is a website that people use for silly stuff, for, for, for downtime. Yeah. YouTube is a website people use to relax. I don't, sometimes I don't want to think at the end of a work day, right? You want to just sit and see what kind of goofballs are putting stuff up, right? <laughs> and that kid becomes famous. That become goofiness becomes an economy because mm. he makes money off of it. So YouTube changed the world in 2005. 2007, the smartphone changed the world, right? Right. Go before that lap, the internet, the speed of the internet before that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the internet was a hassle. You used it when you had to. Dial up. Dial up. Dial up. I mean, things yeah. like word processors. I would say that that's a life-changing uh, invention. How many life-altering uh, innovations have occurred? Now, what has this done? This has put our habits in absolute flux. You can go back to your father, your father, your father, all of our fathers or grandfathers, I should say, really. Uh, when he developed a way of living, some habits when he was 18, 20, 30. He's, Forever. That's, he stuck to those habits till he was 70, right? 
till he was 70. Why? Because there weren't these life-altering innovations. We yeah. re- They relied right. on themselves more than we do. Like yeah. we have, we don't have to rely on memory as much. Right. I used to know everybody's numbers. numbers. Yeah. Everybody's numbers in your phone. How to get places. You wake up yeah. by your phone. Yeah. Yeah. You drive a place with GPS. Yeah. Like I thought one day I was driving. I was like, how would I do this? <laughs> yeah. How would I remember all these directions without, if I could think about it before we can print things out. Yeah. Somebody would tell you the directions. If you're, you have to know, mm-hmm. you have to memorize them. You have to take 10 minutes, <laughs> exactly. five minutes to write it down my, or my, open, have a map. My dad used to drive, uh, people to the airport, yeah. right? Like that, the, those like small Lincoln town cars. He would have to go the night before because he had his trips for the next day. He'd have to get the maps out. Those yeah. like old Randall, whatever the map books mm-hmm. and look up the place. Cause most of these people live in towns he never heard of and write down all the directions so that he would know how to get to their house to yeah. pick them up on time. That's amazing. Now, yeah. we have things that make things, we have technology that mm-hmm. make things easier, but still our time seems like it's shorter. Yeah, we talked yeah. about that Think about Wayne it. the other That's day. That's crazy. Yeah. And All I, this technology. And you know what's, what's, what's interesting is like, um, it's, it, it's, it's the change in like lifestyle. It, it's the massive changes of technology that have helped over time. Like, one thing that's really interesting if you look at history and, and, and one thing that, that I learned from that podcast is, uh, there have been times in history where technology went up and there were also times where technology actually went backwards, right? You regressed, right? Like, for example, you had the Romans and then, you know, everything was great. You had these great huge aqueducts and you had, you yeah. know, great armies. And then all of a sudden you had the Mongol invasion, you had barbarians come over and then now you had like nothing all of a sudden, right? You actually went backwards in technology. And, that sort of was like life for people. There is going to be times where technology is up and then now there's going to be times where technology is down. Like p- things actually went up and down, right? Yeah, right. Now it's – there is no backwards. Well, we I'll have we don't the, even there, know life when it – I have a theological principle for that. And I don't know if this is just a, a theory and idea. We know that Allah did not destroy nations when they rejected their prophets after Prophet Isa bin Maryam. After Sayyidina Isa, when, uh, upon the advent of the Prophet Muhammad sallam, you never see an entire nation being destroyed because they rejected their Prophet, right? That system has come to an end. That system erased civilization, a whole civilization's knowledge. Mm. The idea, for example, Qawm Lut, for example, Lut, he preached, he left. As soon as he left, that whole society was destroyed for rejecting their Prophet. All of their knowledge is gone. Now the next group has to start from scratch. So you have this constant starting from scratch. But with the advent of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, this is over. This is over. Right? But, but it happened even after. People. But it happened even afterwards, right? Like technology, technological, like progress and uh, slowed down. Oh, for example, the Black regress. Plague, right? Yeah, like the Black yeah. Plague, right? Like that's there was a, yeah, that's there why I been. said my concept is a theory. It's not really like a set in. But I see what you're trying to say. But it's like yeah. uh, that. What's and what's interesting? It's like now, like because if it's been happening for so long. We don't even know what it's like to go backwards in, yeah. in the past, right? The, the only way that could happen is if, like, you know, we'd set off. We like only that know caldera in uh, on the Yellowstone blows up. Yeah, yeah. If we have like a nuclear. Explosion we only know uh, other. We do know other forms of going backwards, like, for example, our political, huh? Yeah, and everything else actually. To think yeah, about it, in literally every yeah. other, ca- I was going to say, political discourse has gone backwards. I was going to say social discourse has gone backwards. Culture war is now ridiculous, right? It used to be about meaningful things, right? Like you're a communist. No, you're a Democrat, right? Uh, that's a meaningful discussion, right? Now it's on meaningless things, right? Literally ridiculous, ridiculum. 
if that's a, if that a, if that's a word. Coin Anything can right? be a word now. It doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I felt I felt like it should be a word. So it should be a word. And now the local thing that I was talking about is being in America, we have to try to stay ahead. We have this problem in America that we need to stay ahead. We're number one. You got to stay ahead. There's this addiction to being number one. I don't even know if we're number one at anything. Though. Yeah, I don't think we're number We're just number one in confidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? And that's like- Confidence that's, and image. And that's right? fake too. That's also, fake too. Right? It's not going to last. It's not, nobody's really kept that confident. Yeah. yeah. And, no, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say like the, you go to Italians, they're like, the bus passed us a long time ago, so they're just relaxing, right? So <laughs> people like true, that. That's true. You know, Egyptians, for example. <laughs> They're just that that well, thing is gone a long time ago. So they're just relaxing. Right? Why 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 worry? So they're enjoying themselves. I think a lot of those cultures aren't competing on the same. They're not they're playing not the competing. same sport though. Yeah. No, but they're playing. They're just playing a different sport. Oh, yeah, yeah. So be. like you mentioned, Italians, they're still designing really nice like leather shoes yeah, that yeah, cost a thousand dollars, and they're cool with that. <laughs> they're good. They don't need to be like the leader of That's manufacturing true. or whatever Weapons it is, whatever the next thing is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, remember when? Because we became Muslim around the same time. Remember before the internet, Islam. And you didn't know anything. It was all like you had to get a book. <laughs> yeah, you had to drive lot, yeah. to the conferences. You had to drive. Yeah. And they were value to those conferences. And people There's had no value to conferences people, anymore. If you knew people who had a book and they let you borrow it, man, that person oh, did you man. a huge it's favor. Horrible. Like Because you couldn't just get stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You couldn't order a book online about yeah. Islam. There was no Islamic bookstores around. Like everything was like scarce and you really had to like really, really seek it out. Did I tell you? There was no Amazon to ship it. Yeah. That was a good time. You had to actually travel. You could actually uh, hoodwink people for a long time back in the day. Yeah. Like if you went and got three books and you kept them in your basement and you were quoting them, there's no way for anyone to verify or get those books, right? The book, the movie, The Book of Eli is all about this idea Mm. that there's like few villages left on the earth and one guy just needs a Bible. Because he knows he can control the people through a Bible. He right. just has a Bible. And there's the one guy who's memorized it. The one yeah. guy who's memorized it. The Hafiz he, of the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> Which was, translation? Yeah. No. <laughs> so, so uh, I mean, we're hitting a good amount of time. So uh, I'm going to wrap it up. Is there any final comments? Uh, any shout outs? <clears throat> We should probably call Imam. Uh, I mean, uh, we should probably call Isa, and we were supposed to call him in a while back. Where is he? Isa flaked on us, so he doesn't get a call. Isa, if you're listening, what's he doing, oh, man? Salam alaikum. <laughs> That's it. Uh, we'll follow up on the next one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we'll uh, wrap it up for the day. Thank you, gentlemen. For uh, thank you, brothers, for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having us, man. It's an honor. It's an honor for you guys. Blessing. Yeah, it's an honor for us, and and hopefully it's not the last time. You're locals. Right? And uh, inshallah. Yeah, you call, time. we show up. Inshallah. 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 All right, guys. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah. 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 Alhamdulillah.